Praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Um, if our teenagers, if they would like, it's up to them. If they'd like to go and be a part of what they have in the uh, back room, they're welcome to go at this point and have themselves a, a great time. Meanwhile, we're going to stay right here. We're going to get into some of the, of the, of the word. Is, is anybody here had a restless week? Has anybody had a restful week? A restful week or a restless week? <laughs> I should say. The, the, the truth of the matter is we all have different, different seasons of that. And we know that the, the best answer to both of those is Jesus. We, we do know that. And so we want to make sure that we, we do things correctly. Um, who has children in here? Can I see the hands of those who have children? Um, can you remember the first six weeks of child um, raising? Can anybody tell me what that was like? Sleepless in Seattle? What, okay, who can tell me? Can anybody remember those moments when, when, when you had that big day and you celebrated that together? Wasn't it amazing? And then all of a sudden, the child's handed to you, and, and you're like, well, this is precious. And you, you go home, and you put it in its brand new car. Yeah, remember? It? Did I say it? Her? Him? The both of them? Whoever it is? It? <laughs> I'm actually relating back to a time in my life where, no. And so you put them in a brand new car, it, and, and you're like, this is wonderful. Snap them in. You drive home. And then everything changes. It's, it becomes this nightmare and you, you don't know how you get through it. Can anybody remember those nightmare days? And then you come home, and, and eventually, after weeks and weeks and weeks of prayer and, and, and before the Lord, you get through that. And there's a new season. There are seasons in life, isn't there? I appreciate Sue's word today of rest. And I want everyone to know this. There is a time for rest. There is a time that you need to rest. And resting in the Lord is different than going to sleep. You can go in your bed. Everybody knows that. <laughs> when you're tired, you go to bed, and you go out, and you don't remember nothing, and you wake up going, huh, okay. No, this rest is different. To rest in Jesus, the Bible says, anyone who's weary and burdened, let them come to me, and I will give them. Now, listen to me. You can't fabricate it, and you can't get it from man. Man, Jesus says, I, I, I will give them rest. And when you get something called rest from Jesus, it's what you need. It's, it's, not, it's not 12 hours. I know sometimes you try to get caught up. Remember those days? You know, you drink coffee, get through the test in, in college and whatever it is you're up for. And then you just, the next day, you vegetate for like 20 hours in bed. I'm catching up on my two hours of sleep last night. And you don't really get caught up. You just get headaches and it's like, ugh. But resting in Jesus is a different story. If you are heavy laden and you're burdened today, listen to me. It says to come to him. So there's, there's an effort on your part. You may say, Jesus, come to me. And it says, come to him. Now, I don't know what that looks like for you. It, it might be a room in your house. It might be the woods. It, I don't know what it looks like, but go to him. And he's not distant. You don't have to go to Alaska to find that place. But when you find it, know that he wants to give you something, and you must receive it. I mean, you must receive it. I think sometimes we find it difficult, don't we? We have so much going on. That moment where he says, I give you something. 
Lord, forgive us if we've missed it. Forgive us, Lord, as we sat down and we just wanted to sleep. God, you wanted to speak. And in that spoken word to us, he wanted our rest to find, he wanted our souls to find rest. Lord, I pray that you continue to do that for us. And as we leave this day today, Lord, I pray that when we go home and we find those times of weariness and burden, Father, we find you, and when we look and we seek, we shall find. And Lord, your word says that we receive a rest that only you can give, and we're going to receive it. We're going to wait for it, first of all, and we're going to receive it, and our lives will never be the same. In Jesus' name. I uh, was um, praying... <laughs> Who's been, who's been praying? We all need to be praying because all we got to do is turn the news on. <laughs> Pray continually. Anybody remember that in the word? It's a short verse. We need to be praying. We're faced with some dark times, and we need to be on our knees and say, Father, I'm trusting in God. I'm trusting he's going to speak to me. All I need is his word running through me. I can walk according to his good word, and when I do, there is a light before my path. And I don't buy, I'm going to call today speaking to you about tension. And t does tension feel good? Does anybody like tension? They say if you're going to be a, a runner, it says those ligaments and tendons that you have in your legs, it says the good thing to do is warm them up, and then you must what? Stretch. Who does that? <laughs> your warm-up is like, okay, let's do this thing. And you get the first lap in, you're like. <laughs> and as you get older, tell me if I'm not lying here. You get older and then things come around like, what is my ankle doing? It's like, man, maybe I should have stretched. And then you say, okay, I'm going to do that because they tell me to do that. So, and then you stretch and you go, oh, okay, that's a little better. Tension is a good thing. You're all looking at me like I'm lying to you. I can tell because I don't like it. Have you ever stretched? <laughs> I like to stretch. Like, oh, okay. Stretch means you got to get down to where it starts to hurt. You're like, and you got to hold it there for 30 seconds. And the whole time you're going, oh, man. That's stretching. Tension. Not good. Well, maybe we can find something out about that today. Matthew 5.11 says this. Blessed. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of all kinds of evil against you because of me. Anybody like that? Is there anybody in this room? I know we all have problems with this. This is part of our Christian walk that we want all the good things. Lord, blessed, I'll stop right there. Who wants to just stop right there at that scripture and say, blessed are you? I love, that is wonderful. But then there's this tension. There's this thing he adds on. The word of God says, if you want this, this blessedness, then you must know that these will accompany those blessings. And so it's a balance. It's a tension. It's like, okay, I'm getting beat up. Now, in America, our, our persecution is a little different than Africa or, or, or Japan. But, but listen to me. It's still a persecution. It's something we work through. There's a tension. You're speaking to me about this, about me. And Anybody take things personal? <laughs> my, my wife calls us her mommy feathers, okay? When someone messes with me... She fluffs. I got someone in my corner who if I released on you, when you mess me up, you're going to get it. There's something 
in us that wants to protect those we love. And if anybody comes into that circle and tried to mess that up, mm-hmm, you know what I'm saying. You step in the wrong house, and I'm packing. <laughs> there's something about that. I don't like it. I don't like the whole thing. I don't like even, but there's this healthy tension about he knows I am sending you sheep up amongst the wolves. And in that, you're going to receive these things. You're going to have this tension, but blessed are you. There's something he gives us. Does anybody here, can, can you do something to be blessed outside of God? You may, you may consider your brand new car a blessing. You may consider your big house a blessing. And you may say that to people. But honestly, it has nothing to do with possession. If it was, why would he tell a person to sell it all? So let me tell you, it's nothing to do with that. It's not doing, and that's okay. These things are okay. As long as you have them in the right context. And they're not blessings of God. To be blessed is, is to own something the world cannot give you. It's to own something only he can give. And you have it. It's yours. Blessings are those things. They use a word called blessed. We're going we're gonna to see this a little later. Blessed is used to describe God. And there's a blessed used to describe you and me. And they're not the same word. So let's go on. Lord, that, 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 I, that I can hardly process. He did this on the Sermon on the Mount. So we know when he sat down with his disciples at that moment, he gave them instructions about blessedness. And it's amazing when he does it because it is a sermon. And it doesn't take long to read it. But there's so much truth in it. There's reality in it. Let's move on. Let's just go to verse 12. It says, rejoice and be what? Exceedingly glad. Okay, so rejoicing is hard enough. Then there's this other part of rejoicing that he says. It says, be exceedingly glad. That means they're not the same. Or he would have just said, rejoice and rejoice. So if you look at that word... It's a very interesting word because for great is your reward in heaven. So they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So he's saying, okay, I want you to get this straight. I want you to rejoice and I want you also to be exceedingly glad. And I want you to remember in this context of that, that your forefathers were persecuted. So there's a tension and I think if we really want to understand what blessedness means, we have to understand the tension that we're in. We have to understand that there's something he promises over here and something that I'm facing here. I don't like this, but when he promises me see something, that tension makes me blessed. That's the right frame of mind that he's asking us to be in. And we are so often, let me, correct me if I'm not wrong, do we not find ourselves in this part over here, being pushed around, being talked about, being put down, do we not fight most of it right here? Because I'm defending my family. I got my daddy feathers ruffled, and you're messing with the wrong. So I'm stepping down to where you are, and we're going to have an argument. You see? The Bible says, speak truth in love. There is a Love that comes only from God that allows us to speak truth and not be in confrontation to separate us, 
but to be in a healthy tension to gain brothers and sisters. And so I know that Jesus knows what he's talking about. And he says that there's rejoicing and there's going to be exceedingly glad. Let's take a look at this. To be exceedingly glad, it's, it properly means getting so glad one jumps in celebration. Okay, let's put this in right context. When someone's yelling at you <laughs> or someone's talking down to you or insulting you in Jesus' sake. Now, again, if someone's just calling you an idiot because you just jumped off a cliff, you're an idiot. <laughs> He's not talking about that. You want to be a dummy and do dumb things? People are going to talk about you. He's a dummy. But when you do it for the sake of Jesus... Now you're in a different category. And in that, he says, when you face those people coming against you, coming and saying those things against you, he says, guess what, blessed one? Jump for joy. Be exceedingly glad. And don't be glad in your head. <laughs> Rejoice is rejoicing. You can be rejoicing right now. Raise your hand. You're rejoicing. And then it says, not only do you rejoice in your heart, you will be exceedingly glad. And what that really means is to jump for joy. It's to jump Jump, showing an outward expression of what God's doing. Jump. Okay, can you imagine someone arguing with you? Right? We'll just put it in context. Someone's arguing with you, and you go, Wow, this is amazing. You'll freak him out. I bet you it changes conversation just like that. Can you imagine now, Jim? I want you to say, You, you can't preach that from the pulpit. Yippee! Oh, that's great. Can you imagine that? I know what the news would be about that night. But what does it really mean? That means when you face these kinds of trials, in your heart, you rejoice, but it doesn't stay there. The expression he says is, I know in this time it's going to be difficult, but I want your head in heaven. I, I want you to think about what you're going to get. I want you to know what you're facing right now is nothing to what you're going to get later. And when you're doing this, I am starting to keep track of how you're doing. And I'm going to put it into a, a barn. And some of us have just small suitcases. I'm going for a barn, okay? I want things, when I do things correctly according to God's word... And he is proud of me, and he says, that was for the kingdom. And he takes that effort, me, loving people and doing things that I don't want to do because my feathers are ruffled, and I just want to hit them. And he says, no, if you just handle it in love and you speak truth, you gain a brother, and watch, we'll see what happens. And when that brother comes to know me, you get a reward in heaven. And I want you to know something. That's what I keep for you. Jesus keeps it for me. And that, to me, that, does, that spells it all. You know, I can find myself want to argue, and believe me, I do. There's times that people are knuckleheads because they're lost and they lack knowledge and they're working for someone who hates me and they don't even know it. And they're saying things and working for an enemy, and then I don't know, and, and I can fight that, and I can push him away, and what I'm doing, and God says, well, that's not going to get you anything in rewards, Jim. 
Don't you understand that blessed are you? Have you lost focus? Yes. And it normally comes later, doesn't it? When you sit down in your house and you look at today and think, boy, well, I could have handled that differently. But I didn't. I don't want to live my life like that. I want my head in heaven. People call kingdom-minded. I don't care what you call it. But I want, my, I want my head in heaven to when things come my way, I can say, blessed are me. And even to the point my heart will rejoice, even to the point where I'm going to leap with joy. Because that is the right frame of mind. Do you know exceedingly glad was used three times? Three times. One here in Matthew, where Jesus speaks, and two other times when Peter speaks. And I don't know about you, that's pretty cool to know. I would think that'd be all over the New Testament. But if it's used three times, we better understand it. So let's go into that. Exceedingly glad. Jump for celebration. To exalt, to boast. Because you are experimentally, experimentally joyful. Let's go on. This is a sermon on a plane. Now, again, two different times Jesus brings the word. That's what I understand. Two times he brings the word. One in Luke and one in, one in Matthew. Both are different platforms. And I tell you why I feel they're different. Because what was spoken was a little different. To the point where Jesus used a different word. So let's go in here. It says Luke 26, 23. It says rejoice in the day. Rejoice in the day. It says and leap for joy. There it is. But this is not the same word. So I want you to get this. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so your fathers did to the prophets. So there was a murdering of the prophets. He says, I want you to keep this in context. This is the healthy tension. I'm going to tell you once again a sermon that you get. Behold, grab hold of this. It says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Rejoice and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. There is a context. Let's go on. It says, to leap for joy is different. It says, to skip the bound, it's used three times. And it says, here two times, it says, leap for joy is when Jesus, I want you to get this. In this context, this is what leap for joy means. It said it there, right, in Luke. Different word. It says it two other times, and when was it used? When John the Baptist was in the womb of Elizabeth, and Jesus shows up in the womb of Mary. Now you have the right context. Let's see, when Mary approached Elizabeth as pregnant six months later, and Elizabeth was sitting there with John the Baptist in her womb, it said when Jesus was close in his presence, the baby leaped. Man, it's got everything to do with the presence of Jesus. Has everything to do with the presence of Jesus. So when you're in that conflict and you're facing a time, he says, I want you. Jesus says it again. He uses two different occasions to speak two different words about joy, rejoice. He says, I want you to understand, in Matthew, on this context, and in Luke, in this context, and this one is the same joy as Elizabeth and John. 
And I want you to know that when you're in that presence of me, when Jesus is close, he's residing you, the presence of God is close, and you're facing those things, you will, if you allow yourself to be changed, leap for joy. Isn't that amazing? I love it when God's word reveals those kinds of things to me. Because I don't know about you, it's all here. And let's go in a little further. I might ask, do you ask the same question? How does that happen? Okay, what am I doing? Am I stopping this? It's those times where in those times of, of persecution and I'm feeling like I want to, uh, and I should be loving. And you want to know how? I don't know. Personally, I would like to know there's got to be a way. So I'm going to go into 1 Peter, which is the other context. Remember Matthew? The word was used, and it's used two other times. It's used in Peter. Let's go to Peter. It says here, Peter, 1 Peter 1.3, blessed. Now, here's the other blessed. you got to know this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That blessed is not the same thing as he says, blessed are you. That blessed means only the word given to God. Only, if you look in the New Testament, you only find that word used for God. Different. So, are you going to be blessed without that? He, he's blessed. Of course, God being God, he's blessed. But he, you receive the blessedness from that source. There's only one source, and that's God, him alone. And it says here, blessed be the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again. Who's born again here today? You see, your spirit was made alive. Your spirit was made alive based on our blessed God. And he says, from his mercy, what you deserve, he did not, he held it back what you deserve, and he gave you salvation because you found him. And here's the number one thing I want you to know. Number one, to, it says here, what? Born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. <laughs> so guess what's connected? It's a living hope. See, your born again experience should lead you to a hope that the world cannot give you it's a different kind of hope it's a hope in what's to come it's the hope of where your room is a mansion but it's also hope in those times that you do the right thing for jesus he rewards you and puts him in heaven some of you have suitcases and some have barns you see there's a hope that first comes i believe that hope in you is why we do it given by him number two goes on and says first peter 1 4 says to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away reserved in heaven for you there it is right there there's the barn there's there's the suitcase or whatever you're taking with you there it is it's spelled out to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable what's that mean does anybody here own a car? How about a house? And that house stays perfect all the time. You have to clean it. It just stays beautiful all the time. The grass stays a perfect height. It's green. It's perfect. No weeds. And, and also, with that, the car never rusts out. It never has problems. Never, it starts every day. Boom. Right? Every day is perfect. That means in our world, everything must go. You got rust, you got moths, you got things just happening. And how about you? I get tired of those lists. Anybody have a to-do list today? Oh, there, there it is right there. Jim needs to do this. Ha! Huh, some of those I can't stand. Matter of fact, I might even have some hatred towards some of those. And I say hatred is a big word. 
the H word, hate. I don't like them at all. There's nothing in there. I can't. The whole thing about look at that house and look at that car. And if we did nothing, that's what we receive. Isn't that wonderful? But when Jesus says, what I put aside for you, it'll never do that. And when I put it aside, I put it aside. I put it in your barn. I put it in there. No one can touch. It can't be defiled. It can't fade away. It's reserved. So when you get to heaven, you get to open it. I don't know about you, but that's just really cool. I don't even have to worry about anybody messing with it. Joe comes over and says, Jim, I'm, I, I don't like the way you're doing this. You're not following God. You're, you're off in left field. As a matter of fact, all these things. And as all of us hear those, right? We get those messages. Sometimes people are on the same, same path. And then it gets more abusive from those who are disbelieved, those who do not believe. How about the haters out there? Call us haters. And, and, and so you're in this, I don't understand. See, they can't touch that. Nobody can. Only Jesus takes that. If you do the things he's called you to do and love people, he's going to take that and put it right over here and said, wait till you get to heaven. And no one's going to mess with this. No one's going to touch it. I know they're hassling you right now, but here is what I keep. Here's what I see. And I'm going to put it right here in the barn. When you get to heaven, I give it to you. Jeez, that's a, good, that's, a, that's a good message to me. Because I don't know about you. I don't do things always right. I don't always handle things, but I'm, I'm more. See, that's another reason why, you see. We've got to keep our head in heaven. We've got to keep our head on the reward. And say, that no, no matter what you say, my head's in heaven. And I'm going to do exactly what the word of God tells me. I'm going to love you even where you're at. I don't care what you're saying. I know you're mixed up and you're not sure what's going on, but I love you. Number three says this, 1 Peter 1, 5. Another promise. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in its last time. Salvation, really. We call salvation this experience we have here, right? Salvation, really, if you think about it. When you leave this earth and you're not going to a place he has designed for the evil one, you go to another place. Isn't that being saved? Isn't that the moment? Even now, we know the blinders have been revealed. They've been taken off. And all of a sudden, now we can see because of salvation, we can see the Lord. And we can see the word of God. And the spirit of God leads us into all truth. We have this wonderful experience. It's salvation, we call it. But really, think about it. In its time means what? That means when you pass this earth right now, Jesus is right there saying, well done, good and faithful servant. You are saved. Thank God for salvation. Thank God he gives us that clarity right now. And thank God that those moments, that last breath you take, he says, you're mine. And guess what? You're coming with me. And I and you get to open up your room. Yours. And I've kept it all. I've never forgotten He's a faithful God, isn't he? He reveals that to us. But there is a power that protects. There's a power that protects. And I don't know about you and me. I can't always understand this. There's times I face things that we get injured, we get hurt, we have illness. I don't understand where that power lies and what is. But protection by the power of God is yours. Paul shakes off a snake. He goes on with his duty. I don't understand these things, but I know this. There is a power to protect. And that's number three. 
That's what the word tells me. If I keep those three things in mind, there's a hope. You know, there, there's a protection. There, there's a place he reserves for me. There's a salvation. These things, if I keep them in, in proper context, and I'm thinking through these things, that means no matter what I face and who wants to mess with me, if I keep those in its proper place, my heaven, my head is in heaven. And I can handle that with grace. I can handle it with love. And I handle it correctly. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you speak. I thank you, Father, that all you have to say to us today is according to your good word. And Lord, I Lord, if we fight through these things, Father, we don't fight. We don't fight. We fight an enemy. We don't fight each other. Our battle here is not with flesh and blood. But, Father, I pray that you would show us how in those situations to keep our head in heaven, to be kingdom-minded. No matter what we face, Lord, it's all for you. And then your glory can rise up in this, not for my sake, but for yours. Lord, I love you. We love you. We want to make sure that we're doing things to, to keep our minds and our hearts with you, walking with you, the presence of God that causes us to leap with joy. Lord, thank you, Lord, for your, your good word. You're an amazing God in Jesus' name. Amen.